Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. This is Terry Wicks from Outdoors, and this is Ronnie Castellini. I am sitting in for Terry today. Terry is on assignment, and we are going to get right back to the phones. And joining us in his usual weekly uh, time slot here from Tightline Outdoors is Mr. Nathan Zielinski. Nathan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic, Ronnie. How are you doing today? Good. Are you out taking advantage of this beautiful weather we're having today? I am. I am on Spinney Mountain Reservoir. It is blue skies, glassy calm, and a beautiful spring day. Are you guys blasting the fish? Uh, you know, we I wouldn't say blasting the fish. Yesterday, I would say there was blasting going on. Today, we are we're like a train. We're slow and steady. Slow and steady. Uh, catching fish, getting get a lot of big fish. Uh, we got super high pressure up here, but uh, I'll tell you what, the quality of the fish today are just phenomenal. I uh, just have to work a little bit harder for them than uh, than we have in the past. All right, now real fast, Nathan, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about hunting. Let's talk about some hunting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're gonna touch base on that. Then we'll kind of do the full fishing report. But um, you know. Obviously, there's a lot of people listening that are avid big game hunters, and, you know, coming up here, or I should say in early April, we all put in for our tags, um, and it's always a much-anticipated time of year when you know what your plans are going to be for this coming fall. So, you know, the, the moose tags, the, the sheep tags, goat tags all came out about a month ago, um, and just very recently here, just in the last uh, last couple of days, everybody's starting to see their results of their big game as far as elk and deer results coming out. Um, so really most people um, are going to know what tags they have at this moment right now. If not, you'll know in the next three to four days. Um, so with that being said, now is the time to plan. Everybody, uh, I shouldn't say everybody, but again, you hear so many people at the end of the hunting season complaining about their, their success rate, how they didn't have a great time, or they want to be more successful, or they want more out of their experience. So right now we talk about, we're not going to start our full-blown hunting segment until July, but right now is the time to, to figure out your plan. So, you know, you know these tags are available, you know which areas you're going to be hunting, and now is the time to literally start scouting. So many people try to cram it into that month before the season, and it becomes overwhelming to where if you spend, say, a day a month or two days a month now, spread it out up until the season, you will be far more successful as you kind of go into the season. So really, we're just starting to really, really preach to people, you know, pay attention to which tags you got, start to slowly build that plan. You know, right now, we're not scouting animals, we're scouting territory. So you're knowing the unit you're hunting, the access, you know, the bedding grounds, the watering holes, uh, all the food access. You're trying to learn just a general idea of where you're going to be at. And then coming up here in, in July, you actually start watching animals and everything kind of fall into place. Uh, it's more just a quick reminder that, hey, tags are out. If you, if you haven't gotten in the mail yet, check the internet. You can find out your results there. Um, and start planning for this upcoming fall so you can be successful out there. Um, we're actually doing more in, intel uh, about this uh, actually on a live Facebook feed coming up this Monday. Uh, that's going to be 8 p.m. on the Bowtech Archery uh, live feed. So you can, if you want to have more uh, kind of ideas of how to scout this early in the season, more intel and all that, and you want to ask your questions, uh, everybody listening today, you can just tune in to, to, again, go to Facebook, go to the Bowtech Archery page, uh, join me uh, Monday evening at 8 p.m., and we can kind of interact that way as well. But now is definitely the time to, to start building that information. Absolutely. I agree 100% with everything you just said. One of the things that, uh, you know, when I'm in here, I have Colorado Clays coming on here in a couple segments, and they talk about people coming out this time of year and dialing in their guns, you know, and getting out and shooting them rather than waiting 
training for that month before the season starts, like you're talking about, when the vast majority of people show up to the gun range and want to dial their stuff in, and they may find out they've got something wrong with their gun at that time, and now they don't have a whole lot of time to get it fixed. So right now is when you want to do those kind of things, right, Nathan? Absolutely. I mean, and it goes for everything. I mean, the the rifles, the guns, the the archery equipment. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest things talking about, like, archery is people have their bow from last year or 10 years old or their grandpa's bow getting really into it and you know when you don't use equipment it tends to last a while then all of a sudden you know that month before the season everybody starts shooting more and getting more avid with everything and that's when stuff breaks so start now invest in the new equipment if you're not going to invest in new equipment get the old stuff tuned up but make sure everything is dialed in now so you're ready for that practice and make sure you're ready for that season again like you said now you can go into a gun shop and, and really purchase with ease you can go into an archery range and not be overwhelmed as where as opposed to right before the season it's a nightmare and you might not might not necessarily get the equipment that you're looking for or get the service that you expect uh in those situations just because it gets so rushed so now's the time for absolutely all that stuff and i mean there's a lot of ways to, to tie it into fun you know in colorado we can still shed hunt in a lot of different situations um you know so bring the family in you know on a scouting mission go look for sheds while the sheds are still out there um you know you can tie a lot of it in tie a, a weekend camping trip your scouting trip you know go fishing one day and, and spend early morning building intel in that unit um again knowledge is the same as fishing same as anything you do in life knowledge of the resource if you the more information you have about what you're doing the more successful you will be in the long run so again right now it's all about the land you know i talked to so many people that you know they're hunting and i'm like how many times do you run into something that you like all the time you know you come over a ridge oh i didn't know this was here you never want to be that person that that has those everything you do you want to have that uh that concept to be like oh yeah i knew that ridge was there i knew where this animal was at and uh you kind of go from there and nathan you're breaking up on me just a little bit so maybe stand on one foot and put one hand up i will in the stand air. on one foot I had, to, <laughs> I had to move the steering wheel we just caught a couple fish <laughs> yeah perfect hold the rod real high that'll be a nice <laughs> antenna and it'll all work out just fine now it is free fishing weekend here in the state nathan let's start talking about fishing what are you seeing what's going on you know it, there's some absolutely incredible bites all around the state right now i mean I don't think you could you could go wrong considering a walleye trip right now, and that's literally statewide. I mean, we have uh, we have a couple of our guides at Pueblo right now. Um, they've been doing anywhere between 100 and 140 fish a day at Pueblo right now, and some of it is extremely textbook, easy to run. Uh, have we lost Nathan? Right. Tails. Oh, he's back. We got you back, Nathan. We lost you there for a is. split second there, but now you're back. So, I mean, the, 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 the walleye bite at Pueblo is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, flip bobbers, paddle tails, I mean, 100 fish days are very, very achievable at Pueblo right now. Chatfield, Cherry doing the same. You're doing 50 to 70 fish days. So the walleye bite on structure, no matter how you're going to fish them, you're going to have a good time. So the walleye bite's awesome. Uh, the bass seem to be in full-blown spawn on a lot of bodies of water, um, if not wrapping up that spawn. So that's another bite that is definitely worth taking advantage of. And I really talk about education, even on the hunting side. Right now is when I cruise around and I see these big bass, these big largemouth on their bed, and you get a good idea for how many fish and how many mature fish you have in a body of water so the spawning bass bite is definitely something to hit um and i'll tell you last uh last 10 days i spent most of that time actually chasing big lake trout kind of across the state um and those fish just now are entering their summer patterns which i love uh the second those fish pull out of that shallow water and go to that deep water 
you, you start to really have great opportunity because you can see them on your electronics. So it becomes a game of hunting. I mean, you literally drive around, come across structure, you see those big Lakers there, drop jigs down to them. They haven't been bombarded yet. Um, they're still in that, that very aggressive mode. So the lake trout bites hot. Um, again, you're going you're gonna to have a great time on the water. It's about anything you do. And, you know, talking about spinning, we have some of the best bug hatches we've had in a long time. I actually saw some mayflies today. We have great calabatus. Uh, and the midge hatch is just phenomenal. Um, today is a little slower than it has been, but I mean, you're still going to end up having those, those 15 to 20 fish days. Uh, but we've had a lot of 50 fish days up here in, in the last week or so, and I really expect that to bounce right back uh, once this high-pressure system kind of leaves here. So, again, kind of kind of pick your poison. Uh, but for me personally, if I had one thing to do, it'd be all focused on that walleye right now. Awesome. Now, Nathan, uh, another question I have for you real fast is, uh, you know, what are you hearing about uh, – uh, oh, geez, I've just drawn a blank – Ontario Reservoir. Ontario's coming back, right, folks? Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, what, two days away, it's uh, it's much anticipated. Now, they've had a lot of, of ups and downs as far as deciding some final decisions. So so everything opens up June 5th to the general public, uh, and that's going to be shore fishing as well as hand-launch access only. Uh, and then hopefully within a week or so, we're going to kind of figure out the A&S inspections, uh, and we'll follow that up with boats. Um, now, there's been a lot of talk about what the lake's going to be, what the fish are. Um, I can tell you uh, from from great knowledge that they repaired the dam as anybody anticipated. I mean, literally within weeks, uh, they had water in the reservoir almost immediately, and they immediately started. So there, there are more and larger fish in there than I think uh, majority of the public would understand. Um, so I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be an opener, much like we've seen in the past, like 2007 after the uh, the winter kill of 2002. Uh, so I really anticipate this uh, this opener of Antero to be absolutely phenomenal uh, when we start seeing that happen. And again, the, the hatches are taking place, the water's high, there's a lot of oxygen flowing into it. Uh, there's a little bit of dirty water flowing into Antero right now, so I don't think the clarity is going to be quite what it normally is. Uh, but I still think there's going to be some phenomenal fishing and. Like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully soon we'll be able to announce when that is going to open up for boating. Uh, but again, I, w- I would anticipate it sooner than later. Uh, I think hopefully. I remember the last time Ontario came back after it had been closed for a few years. The internet got absolutely bombarded <laughs> with giant trout pictures, and I believe the state record cuppo was caught within just a few days of the lake opening last time up there. That's it. Do you remember That's that it. fish? Was it 27 pounds, something along those uh, lines? That fish was eight, 18 pounds. Okay, all right. I'm thinking wiper. And, uh, I mean, just absolutely a monster fish. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to quite see that. I, I'm not saying we're going to see. I mean, when that opened in 2007, we had tremendous opportunity at 10-pound fish. Sure. Um, I don't think we're going to quite have that, but I think the the fish running in the four to seven pound range is going to be phenomenal. They've had no um, so pressure. I think, I think you're going to see a, a lot of those those fish in that 18 to 24 inch range, 25 inch range. Um, and really they've stocked across the board. So there's a healthier population of Browns in there than we've seen in the past. Um, I mean, there's a, a four or five different strains of rainbows. There's cut bows, straight cuts. Um, I mean, you're going to have everything that you can imagine up there in that fishery right now. So over the next couple of years, hopefully we don't have any rough winners. Uh, I think Antero is going to be back and better than ever. So uh, no doubt we're waiting for Monday morning to kind of kind of see how that's going to unfold and uh, see the quality of the fish and what uh, what giants are lurking to come out. No, and uh, I think the nice thing about Antero is that it's open literally to everybody. I mean, whether you're going to bait fish or, or sure. fish lures or be a fly fisherman, 
it's wide open to everybody, and that's what's great about that opportunity up there. Now, Nathan, we have a few more minutes real fast. You know, I've got kind of a theme that I'm running here today in the show, and that is about getting youths into the outdoors, getting them away from their iPhones, getting them to put the iPads down, getting them off of the video games, getting them into the outdoors. As a professional guide, if you have some advice as far as, you know, getting a youth interested in fishing, uh, some, some just general advice that you'd give people about that. You know, my biggest thing, I mean, I have three-and-a-half-year-old twins at home. We deal with a lot of that. All of our friends have kids. I mean, there's, you know, we had a dinner last night, and we had eight kids running around. Um, I think the biggest thing that I do as, as a parent, long before we get on the water, I mean, my, my kids' best day so far this year, they a 42-fish day on Chatfield uh, probably about three weeks ago. Um, I mean, literally full-blown Snoopy rods. You know, we got the Barbie rod, and I believe the zoo rod, so we got a pink and an orange rod, two-footers, uh, and they were out there pounding walleyes. But the biggest thing for me is, is I really like to see kids be able to cast by themselves. You know, whether they're two years old or 10 years old, if they can do things by themselves, it gives them the gratification of being successful. But more importantly, it usually allows the parent to fish a little bit. The parent has a better time, so they're more willing to take the kids out. I know that sounds bad, but a lot of times kids can need so much attention that the parents get, you know, almost bothered by it, and you don't see them wanting to take their children as much um, as they probably should. So if you can get that child to to work a rod and, and cast by themselves, it really works out on the better for both sides. So me personally, I'm all about the, the inexpensive gear. So my kids have rods in the house. They literally stand on my deck. They cast out. They practice fishing every single day. I mean, they sit on the bed and they pretend they're jigging. And I lay under the bed and I grab their bait and they set the hook. Um, so we literally make a game out of it at home. So by the time we get out on the water, I mean, they literally know how to cast at three and a half years old. They know how to jig a rod. They know how to set the hook. They know how to play a fish. Um, and all that's done at home. So when we actually get on the water, they, they get that gratification of doing everything by themselves. Uh, and it also just great because, again, I get to fish with them. Um, and it really makes for, for an overall experience. So the biggest thing for me is, is start them at home, whether they're, they're young or old. I mean, the other day we had a windstorm, and I tied a plastic bag onto their rod, and we let it fly in the air, and they pretended they were fighting a fish. But have fun at home. Teach them to build up all the skills that you need. Then when you get on the water, uh, it's much easier for them. There's no frustration, and everybody has a good time. Yeah, I agree with all that, folks. And one of the other things I'll throw out there is that, you know, as a guide, I see this, uh, you know, when I get the kids on the boat, um, a lot of times kids don't really like to listen to instruction from their parents yeah. as far as how to cast or what they do. But, boy, if they get on a boat with a guide, someone like you or myself or Chad or Dan or any of your guys, uh, you know, these are guys that they've seen on TV possibly or heard on the radio. And so when I'm giving them instructions as far as proper casting form and technique like that, they soak it up like a sp- it's incredible how quickly I can take a young youth who's maybe never even picked up a spinning rod in his life before, and I can train him to, to cast efficiently and effectively in very, very short order, far faster than I can an adult who's been casting wrong his whole life. So uh, hiring a guide is another 100%. good advice as far as, you know, potential, as far as getting kids interested in the outdoor. They'll get out on a boat with one of us or get on a beautiful chunk of river and really get a good eye-opening uh, you know, exciting experience. So that's kind of a little bit of my two cents on that subject as well, Nathan. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's with everything. You know, same as, you know, let's say your wife needs help backing in a boat trailer. And I don't suggest you yourself teaching it. Have one of your buddies teach it. It's it, that learning experience 
from somebody else in their, their daily routine. Uh, 100% great advice. I, I agree 100%. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how it happens, but, uh, but taking that advice, so again, it just makes for a better day on the water with everybody. Nathan, tell folks how to get a hold of you. Best thing to do, go to tightlineoutdoors.com. we got a lot of stuff coming up. We still have a bass tournament coming up this fall. We have a walleye tournament. We have our carp tournament. Uh, we'll be at Bar Lake tomorrow for the cast and blast. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on. And, again, make sure you stay tuned to the Bowtech live feed on Monday evening at 8 p.m. Ask all your questions. It'll also be on the, the Tightline Outdoors live feed. Uh, but, yeah, everything revolves around tightlineoutdoors.com. Nathan Zielinski. Nathan, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Absolutely. You have a great day. All right, folks, and we're going to get it to a break. You're listening to Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. All right, folks, this is Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and this is Ronnie Castiglione sitting in for Terry today. Terry is on assignment, and it is now time for our Ask the Experts segment. Uh, this is a pretty cool deal that Terry's got going on. All you have to do is send an outdoor question to terrywickstromoutdoors at gmail.com. If uh, somebody answers your question on the air, then you're going to get a $25 gift certificate to Sportsman's Warehouse. I- I'd like to have one of those gift certificates to Sportsman's Warehouse. There's a lot of stuff I'd like to buy there for $25. But today's question comes from Jim from Littleton. And he writes, hi, Terry, wondering if you could do an Ask the Expert segment about boat ramp etiquette for those who have boats who are thinking about getting boats. This might just provide some clarity over just what is done is to be done to quickly and efficiently get around the ramp, especially when the summer season is upcoming. This is a pretty good question. It's an interesting question. Um, you know, personally, as a guide, I have a lot of experience at boat ramps, and there's definitely some things that you see as far as boat ramp fails year in and year out. Um, you know, and so those are the kind of the things that you want to eliminate, just kind of the, the problems that, that throw a wrench into the whole system right there. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I can give you is that boat ramps and boat docks are for loading and unloading only. That is an important key there. Your boat should be prepped and ready to go. All of the gear, everything in it, you know, the the plug put in, the straps taken off, all of those details that you have to do to a boat before you launch a boat, those details need to be taken care of before you actually start to back that boat down the ramp. Most lakes have a prep area that you can pull over to and you can go ahead and prep your boat. That's what those areas are for, folks. They're, they're there for you to be able to prep your boat, and then when it's time for you to go ahead and launch, you're just going to pull over, back down, launch the boat. Um, you're not going to be doing anything while you're on a boat like that. So that's an important tip to understand. There's a few other good tips that will help people out. Now, not all boat ramps are the same, so it, things are going to vary a little bit from lake to lake. So you got to understand that. But let's talk about a boat ramp like we have up at Horsetooth in South Bay. Uh, those boat ramps are on both sides of the boat ramp or on one side of the boat ramp in, in certain scenarios. When you're facing a boat ramp like that and you've backed a boat down, 
My good piece of advice is to not tie your boat to the inside of that boat dock. You want to tie your boat to the outside of the boat dock. That way you're not blocking or preventing anybody else from coming down and backing their boat and trailer in. If you tie your boat to that first initial tie right there on the inside of a boat dock, now your boat is taking up that lane that's on the boat ramp, and other people don't have the ability to back down. Pull your boat out, get it to the other side of the the dock, tie it up there, leave it there if you need to run up and park your car or something in that scenario. The other thing that I'll mention is that boat ramps and boat docks are not where you want to sit and wait for people to show up that are coming to the lake. Uh, go ahead and launch your boat and pull it away from the dock. And if you need to float for a little while and sit out there and idle or something like that, that's what you want to do until your guests show up. I can't see how many times I see people tied to a boat ramp for like 20, 30 minutes where really you need to be in and out in five to 10 minutes, something along those lines as far as utilizing the boat dock and the boat ramp. You don't want to tie up and wait there for your neighbors that are showing up with the kids and the dogs and all that stuff. You want to pull away and give folks an opportunity to be able to come in, tie their boat off, run up, get their car, something along those scenarios. Now, there's a few other good tips that I can give folks also about launching a boat. Um, Something that we see every single year. We see it. I just saw it the other day. People bring their boats to the lake for the first time on a weekend when they start their boating season. My advice is to be sure that you get your boat out on a non-crowded day for the very first time because inevitably a lot of times people's boats don't want to start. Their very first time of the year, they get out there and be it that their battery is lower than they thought it was and they don't have the cranking amp or they had bad fuel sitting in or they just kind of got an old touchy motor that needs a little play with in order to get it to start. You don't want to go through the non boat starting scenario on a Saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock when there's 40 boats lined up waiting to launch and you're taking up one of the slots there because you can't start your boat. So a good piece of advice is to get the boat out earlier on a weekday, you know, early in the year and get that boat to start and run then as opposed to the weekends. Now there's a couple other key pieces of advice and these are where you see a lot of the boat ramp fails and if you've never googled boat ramp fails folks there's a lot of funny videos and there's a lot of pictures on facebook that go around of people messing up at the boat ramps um they make me laugh every time i see them one of the big ones is learning to back the trailer up uh at the boat ramp, the day of is not the time to learn to back the trailer up, folks. My best piece of advice is to take your boat and trailer to an empty parking lot at a big store. And that way you have a wide open area and some space and learn to back your trailer up there. Try to shoot for a particular you know, parking area so that your boat's going right between the two lines on the parking slot. Uh, try to do something along those lines. Try to make turns with the trailer going backwards in case it's one of those boat ramps where you got to turn your trailer into it. Get proficient at backing your trailer up before you ever get to the lake. Then when you get to the lake, It'll be easy peasy. Um, I also encourage you to to also let, you know, maybe your wives or your girlfriends or, you know, in some other scenarios, men themselves 
let everybody learn to back them trailers up so that you're not the only one as the boat owner that, that has to do that. If you have a partner with you that can run up and get your trailer and back it down while you're still in the boat, then you don't even need to tie up to the dock. You can just stay out there and float away from the dock, and that way other people can utilize the dock. One other big key piece of advice that I can give you, and this is where I see a lot of boat ramp fails happen every single year, is know what depth you need to back your trailer into in order to properly load your boat. Most boats will go on a trailer at a particular depth very, very easily if that trailer is at the right depth in the water. If the trailer is too far out of the water, or especially if the trailer is too far into the water, which is what I see all the time, then boats don't load properly onto their trailer. There'll be a sweet spot where if your trailer's backed into a particular depth, your boat will be able to come in on idle and it will be able to slide right up onto your trailer, no problem at all, lock right into place where it's supposed to be, and you'll be able to hook the strap on the front and winch that bad boy up to the trailer like that that is an important tip uh you you know different trailers have different things that you're going to want to look at i can give you an example with my trailer on my bass boat i want the water to be just within an inch of the top of the wheel wells when i back my trailer in what i do not look at is how far back i have to back the truck to the water, which is what people fail at a lot of times. They look at how far they back their truck to the water, and they don't account for the fact that all boat ramps are different in a lot of scenarios, and they have different slopes to them. So different boat ramps, a real steep boat ramp like they have at Boyd, is going to be different than a real long, flatter boat ramp like they have at Carter or something like that. And so what you want to pay attention to is how deep that trailer is. Some trailers have guide poles on either side of them for the bigger boats. My big piece of advice on that is to take a piece of tape or something and mark those poles where they need to be sticking out of the water at the right depth for that trailer to be able to be there so that the boat can slide right up on it. Without fail, in windy and busy conditions, people put the trailer in too far, they pull their boat to it, and then what happens is the boat swings off the trailer as they've got it hooked to the strap, and it's no longer sitting where it needs to be, and now you have a battle because you got to reposition a boat that's blowing towards the docks and all that kind of stuff and it can be a battle and it can be quite funny to watch at times but ideally we want to eliminate all those scenarios so that is my advice as far as the ask the expert question and i want to thank jim for sending that in we're going to take it to a break here folks you're listening to sports radio 104.3 the fan you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors presented in part by sportsman's warehouse america's premier outfitter You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. No, I, I like this intro music right here now. This just got, you know, pepped up a little bit from that slow stuff Terry had going earlier, but... I like this stuff. You are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, folks. This is Ronnie Castiglione. I am sitting in for Terry today, and we are going to go right back to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays, we have J.R. Pierce. J.R., how you doing this morning? Doing good, Ronnie. Thank you. Excellent. Now, right off the bat, why don't you tell folks where Colorado Clays is located? Well, we're north of DIA, uh, east of Brighton, basically. We're no more than 25 minutes from downtown. Uh, the website has a map real easy to get to, real close to everyone. And uh, also give people an idea of, uh, you know, all the different areas you got out there for shooting. It seems like you guys got just about everything you need out there. 
Yeah, and you got that right, Ronnie. Colorado Clays, of course, is Colorado's premier public shooting facility, and we're in the business of giving everyone that opportunity to enjoy shooting sports in a safe and friendly environment. So we feature um, our state-of-the-art NRA-approved semi-outdoor rifle and pistol range. Our 10 bays of pistol have a 25-yard target return system, and our 10 bays of rifle, they have cameras on your target at 100 yards and a monitor in your bay for real-time sight in with no spotting equipment. Very cool. Um, our trap line has six traps, five ATA certified, and one straightaway trap dedicated to beginners, kids, and shooting lessons, uh, things of that such. Two skeet fields with wobble trap overlays. Uh, wobble trap's a great time. And then, of course, our beautiful 15-station sporting clays course in the trees at the bottom of our property. Now, beyond somebody who's just an avid shooter or hunter and like that, you guys have a you know a lot of fun events you also do out there, and you take care of a lot of different parties and things like that. Uh, why don't you talk real quick about some of the events you guys have going on right now? Well, thanks, Ronnie. And, you know, June is one of those months uh, when there's so much available. So we do. We have many upcoming events, and they're open and available to anyone wishing to sign up. First, we're going to be starting our Wednesday night Summer Trap League in a few weeks. Uh, whether you're a single person, uh, a work group, a family, anything, if this sounds fun, um, you should give us a call. It's a great time. It's a great social event, and it's designed for everyone uh, to have a good time. And then mark your calendar June 11th. Uh, that's going to be a great day. Uh, we have many events going on, including the Bighorn Firearms Firearms Demo and Range Day. Uh, they're going to have guns from a bunch of different manufacturers for you to try out and some free lunch. Also, the Commerce City Rotary Club Fundraiser Sporting Play Shoot is that day. Anyone can enter and enjoy this event. Uh, it's a really good time with great people. And it's for a great cause. They always have good prizes, and uh, you get to socialize with people from really all walks of life at this event. And then, let's see, also on June 11th, we're going to have another intro to shotgun clinic. And this clinic's a fantastic opportunity to get your shotgunning skill set on the right track. Uh, I think we still have several openings for that class, so give us a call, an email, or check the website for info on that one or, or any of these events, really, and we're, we're glad to help. Now, Jr. did I also see that you guys have a casting clay event going on this Sunday? Yep, and, you know, Ronnie, this is my favorite one. I do a lot of tournaments, uh, a lot of things all over the place. This is my favorite. So and I'll do a quick run-through here so I don't take up too much, but basically uh, we're going to start at Bar Lake and do our fishing event from 7 to 1130. We're going to head out to Colorado Clays for a steak lunch from noon to 1, and then do our shooting portion of the event from um, 1 until we're done. And then when we are all finished, uh, we're going to have our awards presentation, and that's going to include lots of cash, prizes, socializing, and, of course, the Cass and Clays Trophy for 2017. And I would like um, to say, Ronnie, if there are any procrastinators out there that are just wishing they had registered for this once-a-year tournament, uh, just show up at the Bar Lake Boat Inspection Station at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, and I'll get you in on the fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. You know, we've got kind of a writing theme here today on today's show, and that is about getting youths out into the outdoors. I imagine that you can definitely take care of juniors out there at Colorado Clays, right? Uh, we love the kids, Ronnie, and we have several programs 
um, geared specifically to them. We work hand-in-hand with the local 4-H. We do Boy Scout stuff. Um, We do clinics. Our YES program is for the youth education and shooting. And, of course, we have, like I just said, a dedicated trap just for those beginners and the kids. And we also have some great instructors on the website um, that do their work at Colorado Clays and are more than happy to get those kids into the shooting sports. Perfect. Now, let's say I'm somebody that has no knowledge at all as far as shooting, but my junior, my kid, wants to get out there and learn these things. Uh, Do you have guns that are rentals or something along those lines that you can fit these kids with as well? We sure do. We have um, several rental guns um, that will fit everything from the smallest, um, you know, beginner up to even some, you know, kids of bigger stature that want to get into it. And it lets them try guns um, in in all ranges that might be before they go buy a gun um, or see what they like. They can learn about the different gauges and uh, just renting a gun can be educational in itself. Perfect. Now tell folks once again where you guys are located and also give them an idea how they can find out more information online. Well, Ronnie, I'd say north of DIA, um, almost straight north. If you take I-76 to Bromley Lane and go six miles east, follow our signs in, really easy to get to. Um, Go to our website. If you really want to know about Colorado Clays, you're having some reservations, you don't know what you're what to expect, look through everything, but go on to our video and take that uh, video tour of the property. Um, I think you'll you'll really appreciate what the place is all about, and we'd love to have you out. Perfect. J.R. Pierce, folks, from Colorado Clays. J.R., I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Ronnie. Have a great day. All right, folks, and we're going to get into a break, and when we get back, we're going to have Ryan Wood joining us. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors here on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, folks, we are winding down the show, but we have maybe saved the best for last year. We are going to go right to the phones and joining us, a young man that I met many years ago, and it's been exciting to follow his career in the outdoors and watch his progression, Mr. Ryan Wood. Ryan, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on this show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Ryan. Now, for those who don't know, Ryan is part of the current reigning high school champion bass team. That's right, folks. We have bass fishing here in Colorado, and these young men went from Colorado down to Kentucky, I believe, and got down there and, uh, you know, did damage down there in a tournament and won the national championship. Uh, you guys had a lot of fun doing that, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, it was definitely a great time. A lot of fish caught, a lot of big fish caught. was able to be with my best friend, Turner, and then our coach, the amazing Chad Lachance. And that was just an overall great time down there. Now, Ryan got into fishing at a pretty young age. Ryan, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, when was it that you fell in love with fishing, bud? Uh, as far as I know, I've always loved fishing. I, my parents took me when I was young, just bluegill fishing at some local ponds. Then it eventually progressed into some harder fish to catch, some trout, some bass. And then I was introduced into the Denver Junior Bassmasters at the age of 10. And from there, it just took off. I always loved bass fishing, always pursued it. 
and it's just been a great experience. I think at times people that aren't really, you know, involved with the fishing industry or, or follow bass fishing are, are a little surprised to find out that there are so many junior organizations around the country. And you got involved, like you said, with the junior bass masters, and you've pretty much fell in love with tournament fishing at that point, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, definitely. My very first tournament at the age of 10, I ended up winning that um, through a few series of events. Chad was my boat captain back then. He's still my boat captain now. But after that first tournament, I just wanted to pursue it even more. And now I want it as a career later in life. It's awesome. Yeah, Ryan definitely has his eyes set on being a professional angler as he grows up. And I have no doubt that we're going to see Ryan Wood on the Bassmaster Elite Series someday, somewhere down the line. Uh, I've already seen videos of him at some of these events like the Bassmaster Classics and stuff like that, talking to some of the pros. I remember seeing a video of you online with Kevin Van Dam, and Kevin Van Dam was saying, this young kid right here standing next to me is somebody I'm going to have to look out for in a few years. And that's no joke right there, Ryan. You're coming on strong. Now, you've kind of parlayed your your love for fishing and your love for tournament fishing into a career and it's taking you to texas now and you're going to school down there isn't that right ryan yes sir i'm going to college at dallas baptist university and i'm fishing on the bass team down there this year was my first year we did pretty good we've been i can't remember how many turns dozens of tournaments over the year um a lot more fishing down there a lot more competitive fishing a lot better anglers down there as far as bass fishing goes and it's just an overall great experience with the tournament fishing down there yeah it seems like the organizations are, are gearing younger and younger towards getting kids involved with this earlier in life which is kind of what the theme of the show has been about today ryan it's about getting youths into the outdoors and getting them to put their phones down and uh you know get away from their computers and i told a story a, a little bit earlier in the show about me having a young boy on the on the boat just a few days ago with his dad and uh the kid was getting bored with fishing and the next thing i know he's sitting down he's he's watching his phone and he's watching videos on fishing as opposed to actually standing up and fishing because he's programmed to sit in front of one of these tech devices and just soak up that information. Now, there's nothing wrong with soaking up that information online or, or doing it on your phone, but when you have the opportunity to actually get a line wet, you should probably stand up and do a little bit of fishing, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm all for researching on the Internet, finding as many fishing videos, fishing articles as you can, reading as much as you can. But if you're out on the boat, you need to be fishing. Like, come on, you need to have your line in the water. It made me laugh. You know, I've had juniors on the boats as well that, that, that can't stand for more than an hour or two without, you know, their feet start to hurt, their calves start to hurt, which tells me that that's just a kid who's not used to standing for long periods of time. That's a kid that's not very active. That's a kid that's not playing sports. That's a kid that's not in the outdoors. Um, you know, we're going to change that when we get them out on the boat. By the time they leave my boat after a good guy trip, uh, they're in love with it now they may be tired from being out there all day because they're not really fit for it but they are absolutely in love with fishing and they definitely want to come back and i've seen those kids year and year out come back and get out on the boat again and it's awesome to watch now real quick let's talk about you know the high school kind of clubs and things like that now you were involved with some of the high school stuff here in the state isn't that right oh yeah definitely i was involved all four high school years um Multiple high school tournaments, high school state tournaments, high school club tournaments, just tournaments for fun, not the state tournaments that take you to the nationals, but just tournaments for fun, just to get you out on the boat and on the water and familiar with the lakes here in Colorado. But great experience, plenty of adult helpers in the state that love taking their boats out to help the young 
high schoolers and get out and fish. You know, Ryan, I never really heard about you getting in any scrapes or trouble or anything like that. You have any problems. And it's been my experience that with young adults or young juniors as well, that when they get involved with the outdoors, then they're, they spend their free time doing things outdoors or, or prepping for fishing trips and playing with tackle or, or hunting and shooting and all that stuff. And they're not out causing mischief. They're not out causing problems. I remember personally as a kid growing up here in the state for a good period of time uh there was probably not a single weekend all summer long that you couldn't see my dad's vehicle parked on the side of the Poudre river or maybe the big thompson river every single weekend we were parked up there to the point where everybody at school that was going up the mountains were like hey ronnie we saw your jeep parked over on it yeah yeah we were down there fishing that's what we were doing and that definitely kept me out of trouble as a kid and it definitely puts people on the right path as far as, you know, everybody may not be excited about the tournament side of it or, or something along those lines. Or they might not get the die hard, uh, you know, passion and love for the sport, uh, especially, you know, fishing. But they're going to appreciate the outdoors. They're going to appreciate the the mother nature and taking care of the environment, things like that. And it may steer them towards some careers in the future that are, you know, oriented towards that. Be it, you know, you want to be a park ranger or a biologist or something along those lines all of that you know is involved with being in the outdoors now ryan you're going to school down in texas and i can tell you you know i lived in texas for a good period of time and i absolutely love the fishing down in texas you know talk a little bit about some of the skill sets that you developed as a youth as far as angling that has you know proved really to be valuable for you now that you're in college level tournament angling oh yeah definitely um one major thing is just the conservation of fishing I've heard Chad say it before, but the original conservationists are the hunters and fishermen yes. in our country, and we care about our environment, and that's why we're so adamant about being conservationists. And that's definitely helped me with growing up and just living life and just being able to understand how the environment works, how everything works together, and along with that, Patience comes along with fishing. Sure, That's absolutely. definitely been a skill set I've been able to learn. That's helped me definitely down in college. Sure, planning and scheduling is also a very important skill set that people uh, acquire when they become tournament anglers as well. You know, you got to plan these things out. You got to prep for these things. You got to be organized. Uh, I know the best anglers that I've ever been around are very, very organized in what they do when they're out on the boat because it makes for fast and efficient fishing. And uh, being organized just in general as far as your work life goes as you grow up and progress, that's going to help you, no doubt about it, down the road. Um, all yeah, those things. Definitely. Now, Ryan, real Definitely. fast, we got just a few more minutes. Uh, I've asked this question of a few folks today, and I'm going to ask you as well. Uh, do you have any good pieces of advice for somebody that's maybe thinking about getting their kids into fishing? Uh, you know, how should they go about doing that? Well, first of all, you need to do it. Um, there's no excuse to not do it. It's free fishing weekend here in Colorado. No excuse not to do it. Even if the parent or adult doesn't have a fishing license, they can go fishing for free this weekend. So plenty of reason to do it. And then another benefit to the parents would be it gets their kids off their phones, off their video games. I've never been one for video games much and fishing has definitely helped with that because I'd much rather be at the lake outside doing anything outdoors. 
rather than on my phone. Sure. Uh, one piece of advice I give people, they ask me all the time about getting kids into angling, and I give them a real simple piece of advice, and that is for the first you know, couple of fishing trips, take the kids somewhere close, take them somewhere local. My suggestion is to take them to one of the city park lakes. A lot of the yep. parks that are around the state have lakes that are stocked with all kinds of little bass and bluegills and all that kind of good stuff like that. Usually those park lakes are very, very easy to fish because they don't have a lot of cover around them. And the other benefit is that if you take them to the park, let's say they do go and start fishing for a half hour, but, you know, kids' attention spans are really, really short, so they get bored. Well, now you can take them over and they can play on the swings, they can ride the slide, they can do things like that. They're going to associate all those activities to angling, and it's going to just fuel their passion for it as they grow up. Ryan. Definitely. Ryan, uh, Ryan Wood, folks, he is half of the current reigning national champions for the Bass uh, League, and we uh, are excited to have him here and, and watch his progression throughout the years here. Ryan, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you very much for having me as well. All right, folks, and you've been listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors here on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Down this